Uh, how's it going? Great. Yeah. Uh, winter fantasy, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Are we on? We're on, but okay, th- this is just our That's fine. relax and BS talk. Uh, Rudy will edit all this out. No, I hope, I hope not, because this okay. is important. Yeah. Uh, I have said it before, and I will say it again, because it's still true, and I've been coming to this con for the better part of 20 years on and off. Winter Fantasy is my favorite con, period, full stop. Yeah. Fort Wayne hates money, Yeah. so it's pretty inexpensive. Yeah. It is small enough to be pretty relaxed, yep. but large enough that you can meet a lot of new people. Yep. Uh, all the Watsy folks show up, all the AL admins show up, and it's relaxed enough where you can say hi, where you can meet them, where you can get a chance to chat. Right. And uh, all the new events are here, so they're putting out the best, newest games that are that are the current bleeding edge of whatever's going on in AL. Right. And the hotel is right there. It's got plenty of food nearby. It's just a great con. Yeah, I love it. It's, 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 if I could go to only one con a year, yeah. this would be the one. I think the only, the only, not to bring up like, oh, the only complaint I would have, yeah. but the only complaint I have is travel. And it's just because I'm in, yeah, yeah. I'm in an inconvenient place. Yeah. <laughs> like right. I have to, you know, there's no, I think next year we're going to fly into Indianapolis and take yeah. a car. Because I have a okay. feeling that's better than the, uh, any of the, every stopover we yeah. always end up missing it and having to take a car anyway. Well, so. I mean, that's the nice thing about living in Atlanta, the great yeah. shiny center of the universe, is I have direct flights to everywhere. Yeah, that's pretty Cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we don't we don't have that. Um, I'll wait till the loudness stops. What is your favorite part of the con so far? What is my favorite part of the con? Uh, so I always have my my annual pilgrimage to the altar of Robert Schwab. Yes. Where I where I lay myself atop it, and he takes his sacrificial dagger of words and uh, plunges it into my chest Lord. and yeah. sacrifices me to the demon lord. So we did that. We did that today. Yeah. This time I brought my wife along with me, so we could yes. both be laid atop the altar and sacrifice. Nice, nice. And that was great fun. Yeah. So he's got a new game. Uh, called Shadow, yeah, Shadow of the Mad Wizard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so gotcha, Apocalyptic, is like, but he's got a new one that he's doing later this year. New Kickstarter he's doing later this year yeah. for for uh, Shadow of the Mad Wizard, mm-hmm. which is his sort of nicer, higher, high fantasy version of Shadow of the Demon Lord. Right. And I love Shadow of the Demon Lord, but it could be a little psychologically taxing. Yes. Uh, where I think a high fantasy version would be excellent. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Can't wait to, to back that up. Yeah. That is that is good. I I love everything Schwab does. Like yeah. he's just Midas. Man, everything he just he hammers. Is gold. He just hammers out content. Yep. I think everybody, even all the pros I talked to, are like, man, nobody puts out content like Schwab does. Nope. So and and, and, and Shadow of the Demon Lord Kickstarter. I think I got a product every week for a year. Yeah, just about. <laughs> just about. For, for not a whole, not a tremendous and, amount of and money. And he is so disciplined. Like, yeah. He's so disciplined. Yeah, like he has yeah. a number of words a day, and he does yeah, that. Yeah. 52 weeks and a year, really, 365 really, days. They're good words. Yep. You know, it's a real, and yeah, and his products are just always top notch. Yep. Great art and great editing and great design and everything. Kim Mohan, I think, does some of his, his mm. editing. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm Mike Shea. I'm here from Sly Flourish, and I am talking to Paige Lightman. Paige, Hello. Would like, like to introduce yourself? For, yes. those, for those who didn't watch the other episode of... Fair enough. Uh, my name is Paige Lightman. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I run some conventions in Atlanta. I write a little content for 5e, and I'm noisy on the internet. <laughs> that's that's and me. You not only are noisy on the... I don't know that I would agree with no, compared to the noise ratio. Oh, fair, fair. Uh, however, the other thing you do is you manage some of the noise on the yes, internet. Yes, yes. Uh, as, a, as a moderator for the, the 5e... D&D Facebook group, right? Yes, we're up to about 270,000 yeah, people. Yeah, so more than a quarter million D&D enthusiasts yes. that, that, come, that come through those gates. Fortunately, not all of them post every day. 
Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so and that's, so it's under those under so that but the topic we talked about before mm-hmm. was uh, specifically looking at the I would argue well so I, I think you'd agree a false dichotomy mm-hmm. of uh, story versus tactical right. in the world of fifth edition D and D and what you brought to it was that it is not a dichotomy it is two gradient curves yep. right and different people are at different spots in the curve they move at different spots of the curve we talked about this mm-hmm. uh, the last time you sometimes they like one end of the curve for one game right. they like the other end of the curve right. for a different game yeah like I don't know where I would put myself on that curve and mm-hmm. I think like time of day given that I've just played like 10 D&D games in three days mm-hmm. different times of day I would probably be at different points of the curve absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. right so what the, what I wanted to ask is a follow-up so I think it's been was it a two year? years? Two years? Just about two so. years since the last time we talked about this. Because we were, we were in season six or seven of Adventure's could be. Yeah, I yeah. Think. And yeah, and so you posted a, a post where you talked about this mm-hmm. uh, on Facebook, and I nigh I, upon a rant. Sure, but you know what? What else? Again, like compared to the rants on the internet, I would say it was relatively. A, you had some good scientific thought behind your thank you <laughs> your thank topic, you. right? And so it's like ah. Um, and uh, uh, and this is kind of a fast-moving topic, I'd say. Yes. So one of the things that I've been kind of paying attention to is, like, how many people are um, talking about D&D on Twitter and how that change is yeah. growing. And it has doubled about every two years which for the last incredible. five, which is incredible. crazy growth. And it won't keep up. Like, you, yeah. can't, like, you can't keep up growth like that for very and, long. And I have heard I do not have any hard facts. Mm-hmm. I do not have provable numbers. Mm-hmm. So digest this fact in with the certainty that it is being delivered, mm-hmm. which is low. Right. But I have heard that the fifth edition PHB has outsold all the other edition PHBs put together. I think Wizards of the Coast said that. Did they? Okay, yes. good. So I'm yeah. Not... So I've heard. I've heard at least very similar words yeah. to that. And if you look at it, it's still like number forty-six on the top books on Amazon, right? right? And for five years. So that's that's yeah. So. The, there's a lot of people coming in. There are a lot of new people coming in. And it, um, which is unimaginable to me. Yeah. <laughs> who learned to play D&D at the beginning of the Satanic Panic. Right, right, right. And thinking about uh, the, 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 common, the common thing I, I talk about is like, there was a time about seven or eight years ago where we thought that Dungeons and Dragons was going to die with the Gen Xers. Yeah. And we never have that conversation anymore. We're nope. like, nope, it is, the torch has been handed off. Yep. And now there's a new group. And that's kind of where this, the curve, mm-hmm. the curve comes in. So the, the, the question I have, well, so two years have passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have three new tips for Dungeon Masters today based on like what you're seeing on yep. Facebook and the growth you're seeing there, based on this idea of the two, the, 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 the two paths of, and, the, and the, shifting, mm-hmm. the, shifting, uh, uh, the shifting attention between story focus and tactical focus that, you would ask, that you'd offer to DMs today? So some of my tips don't necessarily have to do to that, have directly to do with that dichotomy, sure. but have indirectly to do with that dichotomy. Sure. The first of which is, please... For the love of all you hold dear, use X cards at your games. If you don't, if you aren't familiar with the concept of an X card, it is literally a card with an X on it that you can that you can uh, tap or touch to let the DM know that you're not comfortable with the material. 
And most people are like, it's sex and violence. <laughs> and I haven't found that that's the case. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen it used uh, once when somebody was quitting smoking and somebody was describing a rakshasa as smoking a pipe and it was really setting off their nick fins. Mm. I've seen it used again where a uh, woman had uh, just lost her dog, which was some kind of big, fluffy, husky something. Mm -hmm. And the DM was talking about these wolves were attacking you, kill the wolf, and the wolf is bleeding. And she was sad because yeah. her wolf-like dog had just died. Yeah. So she tapped the X card and the DM was like, centipedes, they're all actually <laughs> centipedes. And just changed midstream and it's very helpful. Yeah. So one of the things that I think all DMs should do particularly with convention games, particularly game store games, if you don't know your audience really well, right. like have been to their houses and know their spouses and their children and their pets, please use the X card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, that, I think that makes sense. I was talking about that with uh, some friends of mine yeah. last night. So that's tip yeah. number one. Uh, tip number two is uh, if you know your audience, cater to it. And if you don't know your audience, just ask what they like. Mm -hmm. It is amazing what people will yeah, tell right. you. What kind, of, what kind of game do you want? If yeah. you ask them. Right. Uh, and for a third tip, uh, if you are running a, conve a convention module or an Adventures League module or a pre-written module, please, for the love of all you hold dear, read it very carefully. Read it twice. Give yourself plenty of time. Work through the flow of how you go from one encounter to the next encounter. Uh, particularly if you are running Adventures League, those adventures must be prepped very carefully. If you are a new DM, if you're still somewhat uncertain, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you're trying to run them cold or without adequate prep. Yeah, yeah. so I talked to uh, uh, to David Christ, mm -hmm. from, who runs Baldwin Games and is running the event we're at today, right? And um, he said that he has... I forget, not maybe in the hundreds of thousands of surveys, certainly in the tens of thousands oh, yes, of surveys yes. of Dungeon Masters. And he said that a very common problem is under prep. Yeah. Um, you know, that is probably the most common, mm -hmm. the most common problem that he sees with the surveys he gets back for DMs that are running organized play games. And um, is, is especially the convention. To it. Yeah. If you have people that flew in from wherever <laughs> they came from. Paying a fair bit of money to play these games. Yeah, bought a hotel room right. and are playing God knows how much for their bad and their tickets. You owe them a good game. Sure. And I think it's slightly different for home DMs yeah, yeah, who have very. a bit of room to sort of go off the rails mm -hmm. and, and they, their kind of prep might not need to be the same. Absolutely. Although I agree, like even if I'm running a published adventure for, for my friends at home, I will still... Um, read, you know, I still think reading the adventure is oh, a, yeah. a valuable thing to do. If you, if you bother to pay the 50 bucks for a hardback adventure, go ahead and give it a good read. Yeah. You know, but also think about the characters and the players mm -hmm. and what they want and everything else. Yeah. I, think, I think that's, that's like really I, yeah. I enjoy running pre-published content, but I do a lot of embroidery. Yeah. It doesn't really right. look like the pre-published content by the time right. I'm done with it. Right, right. And I think in an organized place, I, think, I, don't, know if, I don't know if there's quite as much freedom to yeah, be able no, to take it off the rails, especially with timing and everything yeah. else. You've got to fit your four-hour slot. Mm -hmm. uh, so what has changed in the two years since we've talked about it and going kind of back to the, the idea of the, sure. the, 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 the curves of, of story focus versus tactical focus, the people that are coming in and what the expectations are from players. Sure. Uh, what do you think and what have you seen has changed in the past couple of years? So I, the way I see it, and there's plenty of room for a difference of opinion or interpretation. And if you have a different opinion, please post it. I'd love to see it. Uh, but in my opinion, I think my predictions are coming true. Uh -huh. I see the AL moving more towards story focus 
And they do this in two ways in particular. Uh, the first way in particular they've done that is by their uh, choice of published adventures. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say this with the caveat, I am not familiar with Avernus. My life has mm -hmm. been too busy to get very deep into it. Uh, but particularly with Dragon Heist mm -hmm. being a much more role-playing focused adventure. And these are season eight? Season eight. Okay. And the season eight adventures, yeah. which my husband and I each wrote, wrote one. Right. Uh, the way they've completely redone the Adventures League format, mm -hmm. you can get through many adventures without having to do any fighting. Right. Uh, I wrote, Ben wrote Poisoned Words, and mm -hmm. I wrote Skull Square Murders. I don't remember which number it was, mm -hmm. maybe eight. Well, is that, I, the one, I is that the one with the intellect of hours? That's the one with the intellect of hours. Yeah. <laughs> For which I uh, do not apologize. Uh, <laughs> Nor but, should you. But in that one... It doesn't one, mean I won't give you a narrowed-eyed look. Please though. do. Please do. <laughs> uh, but in that one, I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, there were no combats in that module. Right. So, spoiler alert, if there. you haven't played it and you want to, please take a minute to cover your ears. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Right. All right, you got your ears covered? Excellent. Yep, we'll be back in 60 seconds if you don't want it. There's plenty of fights in that adventure. Yeah. And they're hard fights. Yeah, right. Like the, the uh, Mind Flayer at the end, yeah. Raxinolith, yeah. is uh, he is uh, what is colloquially known in Georgia as a Black and Decker Pecker Wrecker. <laughs> and uh, he, will, he will get you religion as a fight, yeah. but you don't have to fight him. You yeah. are absolutely welcome we to role-play. We him. had, when we ran that, when we played through that adventure, we had the most tactical conversation you can have, <laughs> where we were crawling in five-foot squares and yeah. using mirrors and tying people to ropes in case they got charmed yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And still it ended up as a conversation and yeah. a negotiation. It never ended up... I, we we killed, all our, killed our share of intellective hours. Yeah. But after we saw, like, two, we're like, we're not going in there. Right. Unarmed. Yeah, we're going in there very carefully <laughs> yeah. to have this conversation. Yep. So. Uh, but, it, but it can be a conversation. Yeah. So the Adventures League, from the very top, yeah. is with their format, with their adventure design, is ready for things to be a conversation. Right. Now, Ben and I also wrote an adventure for Season 9, uh, which is 917 in the hand. Mm -hmm. And that one is much more tactical. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also has a lot of puzzle and exploration and role play elements in it as well. Mm -hmm. And it is. While there are plenty of super crunchy adventures in both season 8 and season 9, there's also a lot of adventures that are. You can get by with role play. Right. And that is. That's very different from seasons one through seven. Yeah, I think the Moonshade adventures that Baldwin Games are putting out are also along that same Much direction. So. I don't know if the format is the same as the season eight format. It's close. Is it? Yeah, okay. close. And and yeah, that, that we we played one last night that was almost all yep. you know, almost all role playing and yep. and not and, and you know. I guess I would throw it into the large bucket of exploration. Yeah. Sort of figure out how to navigate a difficult situation mm -hmm. and how we were going to do it. And there was a fair bit of conversation like that. And so I think those, an those adventures, particularly with Moonshay, yeah. are super interesting. Like A lot of lore. It's a lot of lore, but it's a lot of like, hey, the city has been taken over. You need to sneak into it. Exactly. And if you get up and start fighting people. Yeah, it's not going to work. You, you're going to die. Yeah, right. And right. so you have to sneak through and do the thing and becomes just a very refreshingly mm -hmm. different sort of D&D &D than right. Keep on the Borderlands. Don't so, get me wrong. I love Keep on the Borderlands. Yeah, but sure. it's not right. your... Keep on the Borderlands can be a very... N you know, yeah. conversation-focused adventure of negotiating what? between goblins and kobolds. <laughs> I, I meant the old one. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the old one too. Yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs> so, um, 
Have you... Uh, oh, oh, there was yeah. two points. Sure. Two points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first way I believe Adventures League has gone more towards role-playing is because of their adventures. But the second thing I think they've done, and I salute them for this, that I think is pulling them more towards the story-rich uh, side of things is they have uh, taken on uh, Latia Jackson mm-hmm. and Ma'at Crook, mm-hmm. who are excellent storytellers. Mm-hmm. Like, strongly approve of them both. Mm-hmm. Latia I've known for a while, so I knew she was great. Ma'at I had not met to win her fantasy. Mm-hmm. I got to play her adventure-only mod, which is a Moonshay mod. Right. And uh, it was fabulous. Yep. Just fabulous. She's a terrific it's DM. like a shadowed city or something like that? I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah, that's the one we played. Uh, then good. Then you know... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, no spoilers there, because that's very current. Yeah. Um, but an excellent, storyful, role-playing mod that really, really... So, in my mind, the only interesting thing you can do in an adventure is give the PCs a tough moral choice mm-hmm. and then stand back and watch them do it. Yeah, sure. And there's some real doozies yeah, right. in Ma'at's adventure. Right. She's very clever, and I believe she's going to be just a real asset mm-hmm. to the Adventures League program. Latia as well. Mm-hmm. Latia as well. How, how do you see the so you you know again you kind of have your thumb on the pulse of what you see coming across the Facebook mm-hmm. group as well. I don't know if that there's a big overlap. I mean, you probably spend your fair bit of time in the D and D Adventures League. A area. little bit, but much more more. Much more, yeah, yeah. How much time you know you got to be the watcher on the wall over the first right. edition one. Right. Right. So um, could be giants and wildlings. Yeah, and there could be all kinds of things pouring across. And <laughs> yeah, rotten bodies being tossed over yeah. the side. So. Um, what do you what do you see as the reaction to this to the to the newer focus, particularly in Adventures League, mm-hmm. uh, of the new story focus? Well, the fi- is, there, is there resistance? Is well, there- the fifth fifth edition group yeah. does not know Adventures League. Right. It, the few people in there who do know it don't like it. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, because it's like nobody tells me how to play. Well, right. We're not. Yeah. We're just so offering you to play with us right, if you want right, to. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it ain't for you. It ain't for you. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they don't have much cognizance of Adventures mm-hmm. League uh, and they don't give her anything about yeah. the AL admins right. but uh, Waterdeep made a real interesting splash the, the hardback adventure? yeah the, the Dragon Heist right. uh, versus Bad Mage made a real interesting splash mm-hmm. in the 5e group and this is also anecdotal information right uh, Waterdeep Uh, Dragon Heist got a lot more discussion and what did your characters do and how do I do this and I want to incorporate this other thing in here and like it got a lot of love and vigor and and buzz in Mm -hmm. the 5e group and Dungeon of the Mad Mage didn't yeah and Waterdeep is a role-playing adventure Dungeon of Mad Mage has some role-playing mm-hmm. elements. They certainly tried to bring it in there. Yeah, but it, but it is still a giant, it's, it's a big crawl. ass dungeon. Yeah, it is <laughs> like, a dungeon. Crawl. And by by design, right? Like yeah. you're not going to write Dungeon of the Mad Mage and make it a opera. Right. Right. It is a dungeon right. crawl. So right, yeah. and, and and it's an experiment in that I assume. Dragon yeah. Heist is an opera. Yeah. So right. uh, it, there's probably ten percent of the population that was like, and this is again, these yeah. numbers are based yeah. on anecdotally from your experience, feeling. But unlike almost all of the rest of us who sit and, and watch, you know, talk to like six people, yeah, you no. actually are watching thousands of posts, probably a day. Uh, it's two no, a week. It's it's. Two to five hundred posts a day. Okay, so two to five hundred. That's a pulse. Right? Yeah. You're watching a pulse of a lot of people talking about Yeah, so it's two thousand so three thousand a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's probably ten percent of the population that was just like, meh, I don't like dragon heist. Mm-hmm. 
because it is exercising muscles and exercising parts of the D&D experience that they didn't like. Yeah. Which is fine. You're not required to like right, all of right. it. Not a, yeah. And the other 90% thought it was really great. Yeah. And then on Dungeon of the Mad Mage, there just was... I mean, there was some discussion, but there just wasn't that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Like you, you didn't even have a lot of people that had the time to argue about whether it was good or bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also much. huge, right? It's a yeah. huge adventure. Like... I mean, I don't even know if I like it or not because a, it came out the same, almost the same time, yeah. and then other stuff came out shortly right on thereafter. Yeah. And you know, I, I was like, I don't think I'm. I just finished Tomb of Annihilation, yeah. which is a giant dungeon. Yep. At the end, I'm not about to take a 26 level or whatever it is. I think it's yeah. like 26 yeah. levels and start running that. Yeah. So, if, but if, it's got if, a lot. It feels like it has a lot of material to. If anything, to use and digest and use for other things, too. We saw DMs taking, like, a couple of levels yeah. and using them or thing. Like, I'm going to take all the mind players at Stardock and do right, a thing. Or right. I'm going to take all the, right. the whatever that family's name was in the last three levels with all the vampires and whatever. I'm going to take them and I'm going to do something with yeah, it. Sure. Or I'm going to so take the Crystal Caverns and do something with it. It's a good it. modular module. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they pulled little bits right. out. Right, you can, you, can, you, can, you, know, you can digest the pieces. And... Yeah, because it takes a long time to play. Sure, Like yeah. I mean, just like Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah, right. Uh, like, more, it takes forever to play. Yeah, yeah. Now, you can take forever to play Dragon Heist. And God knows in my actual play podcast, we have taken forever to play Dragon Heist. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, most people play it in a much shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing any other interesting trends on face? You know, as you as you look at the Facebook, the Facebook group, anything else that's so? There's one thing uh, that I feel is a very hopeful trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the particular pinch points we have always had in the Five E group is somebody will stand up and say, "I like diversity inclusion." Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of people pile on and say, yes, so do we. And then a bunch of people will pile on and say, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. I don't like diversity inclusion. Mm-hmm. The, they sound like that? How do they get that across on Facebook? It's amazing, but they can't. Really? Like yeah. special use of emoji it, in the line? Yes, gotcha. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, special fonts. Special fonts, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the latter group is starting to slowly filter out. And yeah. I don't know if we're just banning them all from the group. Right. Or, uh, <laughs> or if that presents a genuine shift in the community right uh and i curate my real life friends pretty close so there's a a standard no asshole policy in my real life because my life's too short yeah right Uh, but i like to think that maybe we're making tiny Mm -hmm. good steps forward in that direction good 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 any other any other interesting trends that are that are Mm. popping up i'm seeing a lot of interesting homebrew where Mm -hmm. people are using D&D Beyond as a medium to share their creations. Interesting. Like new monsters and new, new monsters, magic items. And new like. magic items, new spells, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. So D&D Beyond is becoming the medium of exchange. Right. The other, obviously, the, the other popular medium of exchange is a web page called Homebrewery. Yeah. Well, I know... Yeah. I know Homebrewery, the template. Yeah, Homebrewery, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's one other mm-hmm. that I don't recall the name of right now. I'm very tired. Uh, where they'll make it on that and then post it. Yeah. But we're seeing a lot of posts from D&D Beyond as well. Yeah. And it just shows how pervasive mm-hmm. D&D Beyond is becoming in the community. Right. And, of course, you know, three times a week we get a post of, I really want to go into D&D Beyond, but it's pretty expensive. I'm not sure it's worth the money. What do y'all think? Yeah. And you get... 90 people saying, I don't know how I DM'd without it, and then 10% of people going, Meh. 
I think it was. I hate it. Yeah, I think it was interesting. We had uh, so there was sort of an outage of yeah. D and D Beyond recently. Yeah, I know, and, and people we were, are just like, I had to yeah. run the game that night, yeah. and I felt like I was missing half my brain. I think it was actually helpful. It so was. we we had it where we're like, oh my god, how do we load it? And my my, my wife is like, I can't load my character sheet. And I was like, what are we gonna do? Oh wait, we have the player's handbook right here. Yeah. And I like <laughs> reach around to the bookshelf and pull the player's handbook out again, and my wife wrote her character on a three by five card, and we're ready to play. Yeah. So I was like, well, it's good to teach us the 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 the, the strength of this game that mm-hmm. even if D and D Beyond something happens yeah, or yeah. you know. Like I was talking at lunch today, I'm like, one of the things I love about D&D is that it can survive a nuclear war. Yeah, We yeah. don't have a whole lot of things that can. <laughs> you know? People like, are like... But as long as you have those books, you can play D&D. Right, because people are like, well, I don't, I've already paid for the books, so I'm not going to pay for D&D Beyond. Yeah. I'm like... That's fine. The Wizards of the Coast yeah. Special Operations SWAT team yeah. is, is not it, coming to not your house to take your you. books. Yeah. Right, like right, you get right. to keep your books. You don't. You don't have to right. use D and D Beyond. Right. Nobody. Nobody says. Yeah. yeah, and you don't. Yeah, you don't need it. Like there's a difference. Not to start a whole fourth edition conversation, but one of the differences in fourth edition is later on you really couldn't yep. make a character without mm-hmm. their online character builder because you had access to everything. Yep. And there were like 14,000 feats or some ridiculous number of powers and feats and everything 14,000 feats, yeah. but only 70 of which were worth taking. Yeah, but right, right. and But they weren't in the core book. No. They, <laughs> so you had the, they were spread right. all over everything. Right. So you, you really, I mean, some people probably should be like, that's not true, but I remember back then. No, I do. And I don't think I could make a pretty decent character without some kind of online tool or get all the math right. Like I, and I, I, might and I don't have that problem in fifth. Like yeah. fifth, I can make it with a player's handbook, and I've got a character I like. Yeah, I, I might could have in fourth edition, but wow, it would have taken yeah. a long time. I actually tried. I did it a couple yeah. times where I just used like the essentials kit yeah. and would make a character. If you're if you're more than fifth level, though, it's it's yeah, real painful. It's impossible. Real painful. Yeah, yeah that, and that's the nice thing. One of the, one of the nice things I love about fifth, having been a super tactical. Yeah. 3.5 player with the cheesiest of the cheese because <laughs> you know yeah. that, that's how living Greyhawk was yeah uh, you could make a character in 3.5 and also in 4 yeah that was really freaking useless yeah like just that player shows up to the table just with their whatever the things and you're just like oh my god we're yeah. gonna die yeah. and in 5th edition you you can make a character that's mostly useless it's a lot harder than yeah right if you if you pick the core stuff you're like yeah. I'm just gonna make a human champion fighter you're like yeah a human champion fighter is pretty good yeah <laughs> pretty solid like life cleric oh we like life cleric yeah you know, so if you pick their default builds yeah you know they're they are strong default builds. absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. now if you take one level in every class yeah then, right you sure. can you can make oh there's there's that video of the guy who made the yeah. 20th level character with a level in every class um so getting back to the, 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 the topic of the of the, 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 the dichotomy of the bell curves, do you have any tips for DMs who are navigating between those curves? They might have started on the tactical side mm-hmm. and they're starting to see the shift or they have a mixed group of some tactical mm-hmm. What's What's the right way? For, I mean, obviously, your, I think it was your second tip, which was ask them, yeah. right? Like ask them what kind. Do you have, are there any other thoughts for kind of DMs who are navigating this this shift? So particularly I'm finding also with younger players yeah. that uh, that they want more story-based and less crunch-based. Right. I mean, there's, there's kind of a... Obviously, there's... If you get a bunch of 16-year-old murder hobos, yeah. you, you really need to give them stuff that they get Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> but there's... There's certain peaks and valleys in there, and depending on your demographics, where they really like the story-based right. stuff. They really dig it. So asking them is part of it. But if you're like a super tactical DM and you want to know how to do more role-playing stuff, mm-hmm. 
go get a pre-printed product. Mm-hmm. Go go get an Adventures League module, one of the new ones, mm-hmm. uh, and not one of the dungeon crawls. Mm-hmm. Or go get Dragon Heist, because mm-hmm. Dragon Heist is a great way to bring some great role-playing into your life. I'm, I'm very fond of Dragon Heist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Another way is to, even if you don't like podcasting, if you don't like Critical Role, right. just listen to one show. Yeah. I know they're very long. <laughs> listen, yeah. like I love Critical Role. I wish I had four extra hours a week. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think the world of Critical Role. I yeah. do not keep up with it. Yeah, right. Um, Adventure Zone is another yeah. one that's yeah. much shorter, but yeah. also equally good in yeah. my particular opinion. Yeah. Uh, but go listen to these guys. See what see what the kids are listening to these days. Right. Right. And even if you don't a hundred percent switch to that style. Mm-hmm. Switch to that yeah, style. Take right. small steps. Do right. do one thing, yeah. and and start looking at uh, non-tactical ways to solve problems. Because right. like sometimes you're in a place mm-hmm. where no amount of violence is going to help you. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, if you're like one ex- excellent example mm-hmm. is when you're in uh, when you're in the evil city. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is what Ma'at did. Mm-hmm. You're in the evil city, and if you start fighting, right. the the stormtroopers are going to come get you. Right. So you have to find other ways to deal with it, mm-hmm. which leaves you for exploration and role-playing. And that becomes a lot of fun. Right. A lot of fun. Right. And just try – I mean, you don't have to, I mean, turn into – the adventure zone or critical role overnight just take one tiny step and see how your players react mm-hmm. do they love it do they hate it mm-hmm. but that's kind of how you become a better dungeon master anyways try little changes and see what works not all of them will work but you've got to keep in- inventing or you get in a rut and if you're getting in a rut go play in somebody else's game. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I do when I come here. Is like It's my opportunity to play yeah. a whole ton of games when I never play otherwise. So. Yeah, like go to a con, play yeah. a bunch of different games with a bunch of different people you don't know, and you'll be exposed to different play styles. Good and, and bad. It's good. Right. <laughs> right, right. It's either, wow, I really learned yeah. something, yeah. which is that I want to do this, or wow, I really learned something. I never want to be that person. Yeah, I think it was Truman Capote, the writer, who said that when he would get into situations where he was interviewing really boring people, yeah. he'd be like, what is it that makes this person so tremendously boring? Like, what in their <laughs> life? And he would study that, right? He yeah. would dive, like, what is it about me? What is my, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling yeah. about this person yeah. who's had this, like, complicated life? Like, what? And he would, he would try to, like, dig in that. It's the same way, like, when I'm in a bad game, yeah. I get my best DM tips. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm, when yeah. I'm sitting through a bad game, it's like, what a wonderful opportunity yeah. for ex- to experience these things <laughs> firsthand and see the, see the problems. Uh, but for a hobby that, has such a history and stereotype of insular people going to a convention even just a small local convention even just playing more games with people you don't know at other game stores just getting out and meeting new players will really improve you as a DM and as a player. Yeah and I'd also highly recommend so I've gone to a lot of small conventions a lot of big conventions and I think I recommend the small ones way more I do too. That it's way easier to like you said come in here. Yeah. Way cheaper way easier way more relaxed you know I can find a place to sit I can go get a burger easily. You don't have to stand in line really for anything. Right right and that is a tremendous benefit Mm -hmm. so those like two to five hundred person conventions or even a hundred hundred 100 to 400 I don't know yeah. how big this one's I think it has a 500 yeah. app right um, that they're fantastic yeah so. 
And so it's been a great pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you for taking always, the time to sit down with me. Always a pleasure. And, and uh, we, will, we will come back in a couple of years and see where see we are there. See how the barometer has moved. So, that, so thank you very By much. By that point in time, I expect to have a D&D implant chip. We've been talking that about that. That I can that put in my head. Since like 86. Yeah, this is true. We, we had that. I'm in, happy sitting at the table playing with my books. It's, uh, we were talking about that in Cyberpunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. We were, we were writing about it in Cyberpunk. Oh, what? what yeah, another yeah, thing. Yeah, please. In order to break your habits and break your ruts to yeah. try different things, play a different game. Yeah. Go yeah, play Esper Genesis. Go play two different games today. Uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord. Go yeah. play yeah. the new Shadowrun game. Yeah. Do something. But yeah, just played, it'll help break uh, you. Yeah, Stephen Randy McFarland's Delve. Yeah. De- yeah. Yeah, I had never. Yeah, I literally. I was like, is, is that Stephen Randy McFarlane? Yeah. I'm like, what's he up to these days? And I look, oh, Delph, what's that? And then today I'm like, I'll go play that. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is really fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really. I agree. Yeah, I learned a lot of, like, uh, you know, the one that I keep promoting a lot to people is Dungeon World. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Dungeon World has such a different take. Because that's the uh, built on the Powered by the Apocalypse. Powered by the Apocalypse, yeah. yeah. And, Great game. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, I think it was the first book that, like, gave me written permission to recognize that I should be fans of the players and not their adversary. Yeah. And after playing 4th Edition, where <laughs> I was very much their adversary for yeah. most of the time, suddenly realizing, like, oh, I should design encounters that make them look cool, not punish them for the build that they yeah. focused on and that yeah, I mean, sounds, that's a huge piece that like that's you know, a big gestalt change that yeah. will empower any dm yeah internal i think, I think yeah i think be fans of the players are my favorite five word single piece of advice I believe. <laughs> right I believe. and it, it makes a huge difference so anyway a great pleasure i know you've got places yep. to be always always, always fun. fun and we will we will we will talk again i'll see you around the con you know so, it thank, thank you very much